you're listening to Say Yes to Travel with your host, Sarah Dandeshi. All right, welcome back to another episode of Say Yes to Travel. I am so excited for this episode because I've got two amazing gentlemen from Charlestown Hotels, and I'm excited because we're really going to dive into a lot of things. And by the way, I just in prior to this whole uh, conversation was checking out a little bit more about Charlestown and their portfolio is very impressive. So I know that they're going to have a lot of interesting insight and information. We've got Jonathan Capps, who is the vice president of revenue, as well as Gavin Royster, who is the director of development. So uh, without further ado, ado, I definitely want to dive in and hear what these gentlemen have to say. So first of all, both of you, Jonathan and Gavin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having Absolutely. us. Glad to be here. You're great. So um, if you want to just, you know, kind of share a little bit, uh, each of you can, you know, take your take your turn in sharing, but what are your roles? And please share a little bit more about Charlestown. Yeah, I'll, uh, it's Jonathan. I'll, I'll jump in and uh, share a little introduction on my role and then um, let Gavin expand on the portfolio a little bit. But I'm the vice president of revenue with Charlestown Hotels. I've been with the company almost 10 years uh, on the revenue management side and touched a little bit on the marketing side. And, um, you know, I oversee our top line room revenue strategies and a a team of seven people who, um, you know, are based here in in Charleston, South Carolina, where our office is, but support our properties uh, all over the country from a, a revenue management perspective down to inventory and daily rate changes to overall strategy on segmentation when it talks about group and leisure and business segments that we're all dealing with and and reeling with right now day to day. Yeah. And so I've been with the company for about a year and a half now. And as director of development, my job is really tasked with growing the company, you know, as a, as a management company, that's really tracking down third-party management agreements and a large portion of that is certainly, you know, new development hotels, partnering with a developer um, or partnering with someone who's buying a hotel and then we would take over the operations. Um, So that's kind of my, my day to day, but just a little kind of, additional background on the company you know we were uh nationally you know we have a national scope in terms of our portfolio from maine to the florida keys out west to colorado and california you know we're based in charleston so we certainly have a large concentration of hotels in the southeast but um nationally national focus and and you know our our core business is really small to medium-sized independent hotels um our hotels range in anywhere in size from about 23 keys up to up to north of 200 keys um, but really small and medium-sized independents and you know, se- smaller secondary and tertiary markets, certainly heavily leisure-driven seasonal markets. And, and also we have a sizable portion of our portfolio that's in university markets as well. Which is great. I mean, that's then very smart to be in that. So uh, how many how many properties are in your portfolio? Um, open and operating, um, we've got 35. Um, in, and then we've got another 12 under development. Okay. Okay, great. No, that's amazing. So, uh, I mean, naturally, you're, the portfolio is impressive. And so you've got a lot of uh, different types of hotels, different markets, certainly across the U.S. I mean, uh, <laughs> I know this is a loaded question, but a brief backstory on the impact of the pandemic on, on, what the, on the properties. Yeah, I think I can uh, try to summarize that. Like you said, um, we're all over the place. So like we you know, share with our owners and as an independent management company, each property is unique and different. You know, they're not under a Charlestown brand, and they're not 
build, designed, or, you know, operated all in the same scope, but there's operating procedures and things we address. So, yeah, when March and April hit, um, you know, you had most of the portfolio that hit a, a closure time period. We had a couple stay open, but obviously everything went to skeleton crews, most closed. I mean, we had to have general managers and a few managers on staff to you know, call it even security watch at that point um, for places that look like they were going to be closed down longer term. You know, unfortunately, had to furlough a, a decent amount of staff. But, um, you know, maybe the good for us and some of the markets we're in and our hotel size is, you know, late April, May is, is some things started lifting or, you know, some some leisure markets started to just work their way back. We were able to work some staffing back. Um, and our, our hotel size also benefits that. So we have some stuff in some markets where, you know, smaller 20, 30 key ends can be run off of a, a manager and a night crew, um, and still operated. Unfortunately, we did have bigger hotels with a couple rooms occupied, but you flash forward to, you know, where we are now. And even as things started to come back, you know, when leisure markets and the weather improved, you saw beach properties, mountain properties. Properties with a good access to outdoor activities, um, you know, come back and and for us too on the impact was impact of response. How how what what did we do in response? And I think you know between our marketing and operations team on what they were able to do to communicate and address right what were cleanliness um, concerns right away for guests. Right as soon as all this happens, it's you know how how are you going to handle a a housekeeper going in a room, you know, during a stayover or, you know, what's going to, what's the breakfast service going to look like? And, you know, three properties in places that do pretty gourmet breakfast spreads. And then the same thing for wine and cheese in the afternoon. And, you know, our ability to adapt to that, I think really proved, uh, you know, that in, in look in this time in day and age, we're trying to get one extra room, especially from a revenue person standpoint. So, our team's ability to do that, I think, kept us above the mold in the sense of performance and, and getting a couple extra rooms when, you know, things were tight. And, you know, to kind of give it to you for today, we're just coming off of, you know, places like Vermont, who um, just lifted their occupancy restriction. Right. And we have markets that, um, you know, you're submitting diagrams and rightfully so, but spatial diagrams to the state to hold a wedding event. So. Each market, and we have a market that's handling that, and one that you know can have a fifty-person wedding, but they got to handle it differently. So each one adapting well, but I think we've provided the resources and opened the communication channels with all our departments to kind of share and and share best practices. Yeah, well, and again, because you have so many different properties in so many different states, different markets, and all of that, I'm sure everything is different. You know, everyone is presenting a new. Um, sort of challenge or just new protocols that you kind of need to adapt with. Did you find that those that the, the properties that stayed open, was it easier for them to sort of adjust and kind of roll with it? And it's like, well, we're staying open. Um, these are the modifications that we have to make because you had maybe some of the properties that stayed open, they were learning on the fly. Did that make it easier to implement um, you know, new protocols for maybe hotels that closed for a bit and then reopened? Yeah, I think you said you actually took what was in my head. It was it was training and learning on the fly, right? They had to, uh, you know, those properties that even open, call it on the earlier end with some staff, you got a train the trainer opportunity. And I mean, again, no one wants to operate off of low occupancy numbers, but 
when you had lower numbers and you had a staff there operating, you were able to kind of work through what you were going to do. I mean, some of that was working it out, right? Where if, if packaging up the breakfast at the desk didn't work, you were able to make a change and start delivering it to the rooms and you were able to try things. And yeah, you were able to kind of work in with the staff who was active amongst it. Whereas, you know, stuff that opened later or even opened and then had a big surge of staff later, it, you know, um, you had a little bit of a lag time there. But I, I think, again, you know, we like to say it's where a portfolio of our size and our scope comes in handy is, you know, we can take a general manager who has experienced, you know, the arrival of a guest in a full pandemic process of arrival, check in, check out, housekeeping, et cetera, and then share that with the general manager or housekeeping team who hasn't seen that and kind of that down and along. So we have a good support system here for bringing on all things like that, whether it's cleanliness standards or, you know, call it social media, anything. Um, who's doing it best and, and how can we support the others to improve? Yeah, of course. And I mean, you even tap on a, an, you know, something that as well as far as social media is obviously one way to get the word out there for the, and again, it also depends on the hotel, the property, the market, you know, if it is, if that type of clientele seeks that particular property online on social media, but that is a certainly a great place to be able to share the new protocols in regards to everything that's happening right now. You know, I feel like our, our marketing team took a, you know, a complete spin, not that they built new websites, but we, we took a whole approach of these, you know, these landing pages. And I remember like the, the creative icons that were put behind the cleanliness standards and where they were going to go. I mean, there's probably eight places on a website now where you're going to be able to click through and then find our cleanliness page. So in that, and you talk about all the third parties where hotels are listed, um, you know, and, and the updating and the communication on that, it almost felt like a rebrand just around cleanliness, which I, again, I think proved to some of the success, but it's also, you know, when you talk about workloads and access and response, we're doing it on the fly and working it on the fly and then just distributing it out there. So in, in your case in point, a guest feels, you know, kind of safe coming to stay at our property uh, amongst, you know, some people who don't feel safe going to the grocery store. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing is, is that right now, when it comes to dealing with, you know, guests, travelers, consumers, however you want to, you know, to to label them, you know, it really does run the gamut. You have some people that are perfectly comfortable and they're like, yes, we want to do this. We we know that hotels are doing their best. And then you do have others that are still and again, it also depends on where they are, but they're still ordering, you know, food to be delivered from the grocery store because they don't feel comfortable going there. So it's definitely an interesting time. And a lot of people are, are having a lot of different challenges with that. Well, just on the independent kind of um, independent side of the industry, I mean, there have been a lot of people that I've heard, you know, people in the industry, you know, pontificating that independent hotels are going to, you know, really struggle due to the pandemic because people don't feel as comfortable going to an independent for cleanliness purposes as they would at Marriott or Hilton or something like that. We haven't really seen it, but we really got out ahead of it with everything Jonathan was talking about communicating that your guests are comfortable. It's just an extra thing to, you know, kind of really consider when you're an independent to you really have to make guests feel comfortable in that regard. Oh, definitely. Well, and I think it's it's interesting because it's a little bit of I could see how people that were making that argument for the, you know, the Marriott's, the Hilton's and all of that. But I think it more so 
that just drew a lot of eyes and attention to be like, okay, wow, hotels in general are, they are making a point to make cleanliness and safety a number one priority. And obviously that trickles down to independent hotels, but I also feel that, and maybe this also goes for your markets um, and the properties that you have, but um, because they're almost seeking to be a little bit away from maybe the bigger cities and a little bit more of these different destinations. I know as you, um, um, I think it was Jonathan mentioned at the beginning, I don't remember which one mentioned it, but about how we're really seeing that guests are seeking these outside destinations and, you know, different places with a little bit more space. You know, a lot of your properties tend to kind of feed into that. So that certainly works in, in your favor. So to kind of switch it up a little bit, um, what would you say has changed in the daily responsibilities? And I know we touched on this briefly, but what's changed in the daily responsibilities and communication as far as like interdepartmentally um, and with, with the properties as well too? Yeah. So I may have, you know, um, spoke on a little bit of it, but I think, you know, what it's felt like is some of those responsibilities have seemed to, to increase pretty heavily. And I don't, I don't think, you know, for us, it's, and kudos to Gavin, our, our portfolio hasn't, you know, changed. And in fact, we, we've taken over a few things um, during this that happened to be pre-scheduled. But, you know, when you're talking about, um, I mentioned earlier, the cleanliness, but also from a revenue perspective, you know, we have stuff constantly being rescheduled, right? And whether it's college football, whether it's groups, whether it's corporate events, whether it's a wine and food festival, you know, those things are, you know, it felt like between March and July, we were getting a notification every other day of, of something exciting or something moving. And, and, you know, my team's job is to work with the on-site sales team to coordinate the best days, where the revenue fits, what's the best pattern, you know, and, and in that nutshell, it's also now they have to do it and slide it out into a time period that may be a little bit of an unknown. You know, for a little bit there, it was like April was going to June, June was going to September, now September is going to December or next year. I mean, luckily, again, I think we've been able to play, you know, defense is the best offense and kind of recover a lot of stuff. Um, there's not a lot to go out and be overly proactive and, and solicit business, but keep a lot of our business and just push it into different months or a different year. Um, and then, yeah, communicate with the property team. Like you said, I mean, we're in, we're in a corporate office here, but we support hotels that are operating day in and day out. And, you know, we might have a general manager who had to cover a desk shift during this time and we hold a revenue meeting. Um, like now, you know, everything is, is seemed to move pretty digitally. I think good for us. We've been able, we've been set up to support, as Gavin said earlier, properties in California, Arkansas, you know, Maine, we're set up to do that already, but it's just gone a little bit more, uh, one more video meeting than when you would have had a year. We like to visit the properties, our operations team does, and there's still been a couple of time periods of, of takeovers or paperwork, et cetera, that just needs to be done in person. But other than that, it's, uh, it's a Zoom call, a Google meeting to kind of sit down with the general manager and discuss that strategy that feels like it right now. It's everything inside of 45 days. Yeah, it's definitely been a huge shift. Uh, Gavin, how would you say as far as, I mean, obviously in your position, as far as being development, I mean, how has that even shifted? I mean, it's shifted, I'm sure, tremendously. Yeah, it, it certainly has. Um, it's a weird, weird time in the hotel investment world. 
so to speak, you know, before, before COVID hit, you know, we had a, several deals in the hopper that, you know, clients or potential clients of ours um, that, uh, you know, had hotels to buy under contract and, you know, they were getting ready to getting ready to close on the transaction. COVID, you know, fundamentally changed the world and they backed away. So some things fell out in that regard. You know, a lot of stuff didn't, though, as, as Jonathan mentioned, we've still transact or, you know, transitioned hotels through this, some things that were in the works. And then probably one of the biggest things is on the on really the new development side. You know, it, it's incredibly difficult for hotel developers to get financing right now. Um, it's difficult to get financing for buying an existing hotel, but buy, building a new one is next to impossible. So, you know, there have been certain markets that have done really well through COVID that, you know, it's still happening. But otherwise, you got to get real creative with some alternative financing sources because traditional bank lending is just not happening. Um, so we're still actively working on a lot of projects. Um, and there's still a heavy appetite for development because, you know, if you start construction on a hotel now, um, certainly if you start the early development process on it now, by the time it opens, you'll be into recovery and it actually, you know, your timing will be pretty, pretty good so long as you can get that financing to actually put the shovel on the ground. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, that would be like perfect timing as far as like, once you have like the surge of, of travelers, because as we all know, is that travelers are, they're ready. They want to travel. Just there are so many different whether it's restrictions or other things in place that are just kind of holding people back, just there's, there's still a lot of uncertainty. So absolutely, when it comes to development, you know, if you can get it going now and then be ready to sort of launch as everything gets, everybody gets sort of the green light, that would be perfect timing. It's certainly market by market too. I mean, I think they're, they're already, uh, we're already seeing a heavy focus and I think this will continue to be the case, a heavy focus and kind of, Areas really that have been in our sort of sweet spot that we didn't intend to for there to be a pandemic for everyone to sort of start shifting towards areas that we had, you know, focused our development on. But smaller markets, much more leisure markets, markets with a fundam, you know, a, a fundamental base of kind of outdoor activities, you know, whether that's Appalachian Mountains, beach markets, you know, national parks out west. I think any development projects that, you know, the biggest demand drivers are more leisure driven. And driven by that kind of leisure, I think we'll have the sort of most like highest likelihood of success here in the short term. Because I wouldn't particularly want to build a you know 300 room group focused hotel in a major urban city center right now. That those kinds of hotels are going to take a much longer time to come back and to recover. And as such, if you start building one of those now, you probably aren't opening into the recovery if you can even get it financed. You're probably still opening into into the you know maybe the tail end of the trough. Yeah. And, and that just, I mean, it just makes sense. It's understanding the dynamics of the situation and seeing where, you know, what's happening as far as with groups, what's happening just with even just travelers and consumer trends in general. So, I mean, that very much is paying attention to what we're seeing in, in front of us. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, so looking forward a bit here, um, this will definitely be probably a little bit more of a question for Jonathan, but revenue strategies. Um, what would you say would be some revenue strategies that ha hoteliers have adopted for 2020 and they'll need to adopt for 2021? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of what I touched on before. I think there's just been, a, um, you know, a, definitely right now a, a decreased booking window that I didn't think could get much shorter. Right. Um, you know, where the travelers are, are booking their stays um, 
for us in almost in every market, we're seeing stuff um, just happen inside of 30 days. I mean, obviously, some of those group moves I talked about, um, or there's some long-term conversations, but you can even talk about the the corporate travel planning that's happened. I mean, I think there's a big gray area right now in the sense of big corporations are going to do with hotel relationships going into um, 2021. But from a leisure standpoint, luckily for us, it's, um, you know, really adapting, like I said, to the window, watching those events. Um, I think the other is, is, is this communication landscape, right? I think we've gotten a little bit better. Um, there's a little bit more accountability in the sense now video calls are, are rampant for us. We're able to engage what feels more fully. So I think there's some been, been some things, some positive takeaways from this where it's like, uh, even switching in, a, I'm, I'm going to go on a, uh, you know, soapbox a little bit here in the sense of what we've been used to in the sense of video or just phone conference calls and moving to video conference calls, which, you know, when you don't see a general manager, but from a revenue manager's perspective, four, four times a year in person. And now the face to face call and the really engagement and the accountability of being engaged in a meeting. I think that alone is giving us a little bit of a change to say, Hey, here's how we can be active. Here's how we can move. Here's how we can pull a general manager into a revenue meeting. And I think this has made those meetings change a little bit um, on what's being communicated. He, and I talked about it earlier, but the the reaction to the cleanliness efforts, right? When a, what, a, what a general manager seeing and what the staff is seeing and how the guests are reacting. Um, you know, I'll, it, it's cart before the horse in a sense for us on where that value perception comes in. So from a revenue person's perspective, you know, we're not to say the dollar is made with the most recent TripAdvisor review, but in the sense of kind of something we say by that, it's like, all right, well, we can't have five reviews sitting out there on any site saying we're doing awful at cleanliness and then it could be charging peak rates on a, on a fall weekend. I mean, it's just the guest, guest perception is just not going to support that value. So we're always looking to collaborate with the operations team and, and have that supportive value um, and feedback from them. Yeah. No, de- I mean, definitely. And it's, I mean, it's always good to keep those lines of communication open, but it is interesting that you're saying how there has been this shift that now with the prevalence and the use of more of these video calls, all of a sudden you are having more FaceTime. It's a different, it's a modified FaceTime, but uh, it, it's definitely adding to, I think, you know, furthering those relationships as well too, as far as, you know, within, within the company. Uh, kind of a question for, for, I think both of you could probably chime in on this. Types of hotels that you think that might be the most sought after after the um, like post pandemic. Well, it depends on. Uh, I mean, sought after from a from a guest perspective or from kind of an investment perspective. I would say both. Why not? I mean, you definitely have some insight. I mean, on I that. think from a from a guest perspective, I don't think the pandemic will fundamentally change what they're what they're looking for. I think guests, you know, guests were kind of already trending towards a much more kind of uh, you know, lifestyle, boutique, unique experience. And I think that, you know, sort of shift that had been taking place might be accelerated and exacerbated a little bit because guests probably are going to want a smaller hotel because they're going to feel, you know, like it's, you know, a thousand room hotel with people all over the place post pandemic, at least, especially during pandemic. I wouldn't necessarily feel super comfortable with all those people around. I don't think a lot of people would, but I think a smaller hotel experience, um, you know, is kind of what people will be looking for. From an investment perspective, I think, um, you know, it depends on the 
depends on the investor profile, what kind of deal size they're looking for, things of that nature. Because smaller hotels are, you know, sometimes too small for, um, you know, bigger institutional type capital investors. But I think on the whole, smaller hotels have a better positioning, um, quite frankly, than bigger ones going forward. So I think really the answer is kind of the same. Just a kind of smaller, more intimate boutique experience will be preferred by both. Be my yeah, and that and that definitely. I mean, it may, it makes sense. I mean, we were certainly seeing that trend, you know, prior to this. And as you said, this is certainly like accelerated that because just the reality of it is, it's like how many people do you feel comfortable being around? And again, it all depends on where you know the travelers are coming from, and then certainly from an investment standpoint as well. Too a lot of factors go into that. Um, so I know that was a bit of a loaded question. Um, so uh, this is another revenue question here, Jonathan. All right. Um, markets currently seeing the most revenue success. I, you kind of touched on this earlier. I mean, again, I would say probably markets that might be, have more access to outdoor spaces, beach communities, that sort of thing. But I'd let you elaborate. <laughs> yeah, it is that. Um, you know, I think we've seen some stuff. Um, you know, we've seen some of our, our college markets come back okay in the, in the last month or so. You know, um, move-in went differently in some of the college markets recently. But just any activity around those has, has picked some of those markets up. Um, again, I think a lot of that, too, relates to amenities and access. But, yeah, we've said it. And, you know, to give some specifically, you have markets, beach markets like Myrtle Beach, Charleston, the Florida stuff. You know, we got something in St. Augustine that's done well. Um, opened the property in Colorado in the midst of all this and, and saw that pick up pretty well. I think Colorado had both the outdoor scene and a state that, um, you know, people reacted well to the guidelines that were put in place um, in a state that seemed to respond well or get positivity results from those visiting there. So. Um, once Colorado started moving, it felt like the numbers there supported that. Uh, Jackson Hole, the same. Um, and then we have, you know, some markets and some you know, hotels and tertiary markets where they may be a short drive or, you know, like Gavin said earlier, you know, we may have something close to the Blue Ridge Parkway that, you know, people felt like they could get out and get amongst themselves. And, and not necessarily the hotel having the outdoor amenities seemed to uh, bode well as as well. You know, now I think. You know, on the other side of that, it's it's how will the winter markets react? How how will the fall the season? Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, with the college football, you know, we had some markets that were dependent upon that, and those have obviously changed. But you know, you have some ski markets too, and and what's going to happen with you know ski seasons? You know, slopes on on how those how those markets will do. I think you know may carry an end of the year one way or the other. Yeah, and definitely with the with the holidays too. Just around the corner, it's it's going to be very interesting the next couple of months because uh, I feel like n none of us really totally expected us to be quite where we we are now at the start of this at this point, and we're we're still very much playing it day by day, week by week, um, but are certainly seeing a longer um, runway as far as the recovery sort of period. Um, so. Uh, Gavin, you mentioned a bit about the future of hotel development, um, but maybe we can touch on like maybe the markets that might be primed the most uh, for post-COVID development. Yeah, I think um, it's markets very similar to the ones Jonathan just mentioned that are having the most success right now. Um, I think that will be the most you know path to 
successful financing here in the short term. You know, quite frankly, for some of these markets that are, you know, easy drive to that have had pickup pandemic that they otherwise wouldn't have. You know, I think there will be a certain amount of, you know, stickiness to that. Like people, you know, maybe drove somewhere to go on their summer vacation this year instead of getting on a plane and going to Europe or something like that. And once this is all done and people are traveling again and COVID's in the rear view, people will go back to their prior habits. Absolutely. But I think there will be a certain amount of people kind of discovered some of these um, lower key destinations closer to home that they will still go back to for you know weekend trips and things like that. So I, I do think kind of leisure driven drive to markets proximate to you know cities with reasonable reasonably large population bases, I think are the ones that will be kind of most primed for development going forward. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, and I mean, again, it makes sense. I mean, we're we're seeing it, and it just—that's kind of where the market's going to be going, um, at least more so in the short term, and um, until we get on the other side of this, and then then we'll see how things shift again because they certainly will. Uh, well, that being said, uh, what you know, before we wrap this up, want to just open it up to to both of you if there's anything that you wanted to share in particular in regards to. Charlestown Hotels, um, something that you guys are, you know, excited that you're working on or, yeah, just anything that you wanted to, to share in regards to the the company? Yeah, I mean, I think I would just say, you know, kind of big picture, we're, the pandemic has been um, a huge challenge for everyone, but we've, I'd say we're in a, a very good spot, which is, which has been good. And, you know, we're always looking to grow. So, I mean, if, you know, anyone out there, you know, watching this has any, you know, interest in or need for hotel management, I'd be happy to be happy to discuss and see if there's anything we might be able to do to help out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll just say yeah. I mean, I, I kind of as a as a revenue person and, and being the spot they're in, I, I think you know taking it a day at a time and and kind of being happy that we're in the spot we're in. Right, we, we've seen some stuff. We've been able to get hotels back open, right? Especially for us in in the type of hotels we are. You know, talk to you know, counterparts in the industry who may have 30% of their portfolio still closed and as Charlestown Hotels and, and the portfolio we have, but also the industry that, you know, we can continue to, to move forward. We've, we've supported each other well. We've built good practices. And I think it's a time where it's come together. And I think, um, you know, whether that's pushing up to the government to get additional funding and support for the industry, I think um, we do that very well. And, and, you know, we'll hopefully push that rebound further than you know, or closer in than what some of those numbers and projections are saying. Yeah, no, agreed, definitely. So it's an interesting time. Um, and I have to say a big thank you to both of you for taking the time out because I know it's certainly challenging and, and um, it, you know, it is a, a busy time as, as we're just kind of navigating everything right now. So a uh, big thank you to both of you for taking the time. Um, and I know that everybody that is tuning in and is listening uh, will certainly take a lot away from this. So uh, I'll be sure to link all the details here for Charlestown Hotels. But uh, in the meantime, thank you so much, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. And for everybody tuning in, thank you guys as well. Please be sure to stay tuned for next week for another episode of Say Yes to Travel. Mm-hmm.